1: The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+, 18+, plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Welcome to a Sixer-centric episode of the Ringer's Philly special. My name is Chris Ryan, though I might change my last name to Schwarber, and joining me on the other line is the Ringer's Raheem Palmer. Raheem, what's
0: up, man? Yo, life is good. I mean, the Sixers didn't get a win last night, but the Phillies got it done. And how about that score of a home run? I mean, look, that that was a bullet. I mean, I think that was like 120 20 miles per hour, and I think it went almost 500 feet. So we need some of that. I mean, all the Philadelphia teams are rolling, but we need the Sixers to get it together.
1: We're going to talk about the Sixers. I, I have to admit that if I sound a little bit more down on a team than I should in Game 1 of 82— It's because I mostly watched the Sixers instead of the Phillies last night, and I missed Schwarber live. I missed the Harper home run live. Like, I was kind of out of that game, and that was probably making me a little bit more hostile towards the Sixers performance that maybe, you know, all things being equal is not that big of a deal, but we're going to find out, because Raheem, I was listening back to an episode of East Coast Bias from October 4th, which you can find on the Rare Gambling Show. About five minutes in, what does Raheem say? Among other things, you trust the process, you trust Daryl Moore, you trust Daniel House. Like you're you're all about the Sixers on October 4th. Here we are October 19th. We're day the day after the night before where the Sixers opened their season at Boston and honestly got run out of the garden. Let's let's be clear. It was 126 to 117, but it wasn't that close. So after one game, Raheem, how how much has your mind changed,
0: if at all? I it's changed a lot. And I, I think I might have just kind of bought into the hype. I mean, obviously, Philadelphia sports teams are doing well. When you look at Daryl Darry, Morey, he brought in a lot of additions. De'Anthony Melton, he brought in P.J. Tucker. He, like, he brought in Daniel House. Like, he he kind of fixed up this, this lineup, and this bench should be better. But when it comes down to it, is Joel Embiid has to play a lot better. I mean, he looked completely out of shape yesterday. They, I mean, they were playing. Look, they got in, they got Al Horford in foul trouble early yesterday, and you're going up against Noah Vonley, who was in China last year. I mean, this is I Al honestly hadn't
1: this. thought of Noah Vonleh's name in
0: like five years,
1: I, or like so, however long it's been. I was like, I, this is not happening. Like, I'm I feel like I'm in the twilight zone.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I was watching CBA playoffs last year, and I was actually betting it too. And he was going <laughs> back and forth with <laughs> him and Jared Sellinger were taking step back threes with the game on the line. Like going head to head. You would have thought it was James Harden. And, and, how do you bet
1: that? <laughs> how can you bet Vonley versus Sullinger? Like how do you even have an inside track on
0: that? <laughs> so I can't sleep at night like when I'm on the East Coast. And next thing you know, I'm watching CBA. I'm watching Australia, NBL. And I'm seeing all these players. And I'm like, oh, I know who this is. And then after a while, you just kind of get a feel for the teams the same way you do NBL.
1: <laughs> sure. So, so well, yes. I, don't, I don't. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, so it's just like the fact that, you know, MB can't dominate against this front line, that was troubling for me.
1: So the season ended last year, the NBA season ended, where I was watching, say, Celtics-Bucks and then certainly Celtics-Warriors, and I was kind of like, you know, this is just a different level of the sport than the one that the Sixers are playing. Like, it, it kind of hmm. didn't even seem like it was the same sport. And it's not really anything against the Sixers are really good, but they were not on that level of what where the Celtics were towards the end of last season, where the Warriors obviously were. So that's what I was kind of looking for last night: is intensity, ferocity, maybe like increased athleticism, maybe a commitment to defense, maybe like a some wrinkles of the offense of, of Doc Rivers' offense. All these things I was kind of like, what do I what do I need to see to make me feel like the Sixers are in the Celtics Warriors? Name two, three other contending teams bracket. We haven't seen tonight's games on Wednesday, so we don't know what the Nuggets are gonna look like or what the Clippers are gonna look like or whatever. But I was I'm really fixated on man, you had an offseason. This is crucial. Everything is in place. You've got the depth, you've got the bench, you've got this ascending star in Maxi, you've got Embiid. He's been in the upper round like the top of the MVP voting the last couple of years. Harden's had a summer to get healthy. It's just, it's not the best way to start the season. And it's it's because it's Boston, but it's just like, you just got the impression that some of the same ghosts still haunt this team.
0: Oh, without a doubt. You know, I wrote a piece when I was with the Action Network on the Philadelphia 76ers and why you should fade them in last year's playoffs. And one of the, th- the themes of my piece was they're not a good transition team. And you saw that last night. Oh my God. They gave, yeah, like they have 14 turnovers and gave up 24 points in transition. And I go back to a game where the Nets played the Sixers um, back in March. I think it was March 10th last, last year. The Nets won 129-100, and they absolutely ran the Sixers out of the gym. And Kevin Durant, you rarely see players get this candid, but Kevin Durant, after the game, he said, we ran them. They're not a good transition team. They don't make second and third efforts. Sometimes we make four and five passes, and we really took advantage of that. And I think we saw the same thing last night. The Celtics were just kind of getting in transition and getting whatever they wanted. And they gave up. They had a, um, a 170 defensive rating in transition. Like, that's unacceptable.
1: Yeah, and you know what else was happening was I, I hadn't really thought about what this would look like because I didn't watch a ton of preseason. I try not to. I tried to treat myself a little bit better. I was like, yeah, this this team maybe wants to, like, bring back the take foul because watching Maxi yeah. kind of, like, jog alongside... Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, as they're inevitably going to stuff at home in front of a raucous home crowd that's riding high off the Bill Russell stuff, is riding high off being East, defending Eastern Conference champions. And they're getting those transition dunks and they can keep the crowd hyped up and they're running and running. And their Sixers aren't stopping the run of play and getting these tactical fouls in where, like, okay, you guys got to go shoot your one, like one on one or whatever. I just thought that that was like, very striking that this the Celtics seem to like turn up the momentum by by having those transition buckets.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's real. And then you have a guy in James Harden. I know he's gotten into better shape, he looks better, but that doesn't translate on a defensive end of the floor for him. For him, it's a if there's a turnover, he's not running back. Joel MB is not running back. So you got two players in your starting lineup who are just if there's a turnover or there's a run out. It's to automatic two points. Like, last year, the Sixers team was 27th in transition defense. They gave up 131 points per one to possessions. They were 20th in transition frequency. So 15% of defensive plays for the Sixers started in transition. And now the take foul is gone. Yes. I'm kind of all the way out on this team. I think they're going to be fine, like, as far as, like, a good regular season team. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to compete with some of these teams with a ton of firepower who push the pace.
1: want to be more active this summer sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards tennis rackets to fishing tackle and if that doesn't float your boat we also have pool floats sierra let's get moving to your local store like now go so what was the thing that surprised you most last night was it the lack of tactical evolution from doc was it Harden playing well was it Embiid and the body language which we're going to get to which I do not think was good even though I know that you can read a lot into a little there when it comes to like seeing people but you're somebody we were talking before we started recording about how you do in-game betting so you're obviously watching the game even if you have your fandom on one side with Philly you're watching the game from an analytical level you're looking for canaries in the coal mine signs that things are not going well or things are going well what did you see and what was the thing that surprised you?
0: I think it was the offensive struggles from the Sixers and the fact that it felt like Maxi took a back seat to Hart. Like I thought the roles would kind of be reversed. I thought Harton would be kind of like a true point guard, and I think I thought Maxi would be the secondary scorer for this team. It felt like he was kind of just on autopilot. He kind of just wasn't like he he kind of just wasn't there for large parts of this game. And the one thing I saw in the first half is that. James Harden right now, he his game. I mean, he looks a lot better, but his game is still high variance. If he's hitting mm-hmm. his three, and if he's getting those three point fouls, he's gonna look good. But what happens when he's not? And in the second half, he he didn't do as much. So I just I kind of think that Maxi needs to be the second highest scorer on this team for them to to win. And I also think James Harden, he's so used to having the ball. That he doesn't take those catch and shoot three point opportunities. I need him when he gets the ball and he's open. I need I need him to let it fly. Yeah,
1: there especially in the first half, I felt like he was doing a lot of like I will like work my way into the game. When I was like, you're James Harden. This is like an open as open a three as you're gonna get, man. You gotta like let it rock.
0: Yeah, and I mean if he's he's not gonna let it rock, it kind of kills the gravity of this team, and it kind of right. makes them less dangerous.
1: Maxi was interesting. Let's just say that Raheem and I have it on relatively good authority from a a member of the Simmons extended family who was sitting close to the Sixers bench to just say that Maxie did not seem happy last night. I will also say that from my television in Los Angeles and from Raheem's television in Las Vegas, Joel Embiid did not look happy last night. Embiid ends the night with his usual like 26-15 five assists that your eyes pop and you're like, this is the man. But let me just kind of get a little bit of something off my chest because I I love this dude. And I want, in some ways, it would mean the most to me to see him get a title in Philly of like almost any Philadelphia athlete for the last 10 years. But I'm, I'm like a little concerned about this at this point. And I wonder whether or not, despite the MVP voting and where he's kind of seen in the league, whether it's the game is changing, like the actual sport is changing, or whether or not He is at some kind of like self-imposed ceiling. Mm -hmm. It just seemed like he he was way too bummed out for the first night of the season. And Mm. I felt like the other thing that was really jumping out at me, and I know that this is part of how he does what he does, was the was the falling to the ground. And like the kind of like a little bit of clumsiness, a little bit of lack of focus, six turnovers. Like I I feel like he just he emphasizes the parts of his game which, to me, are least essential, which is him yeah. trying to, like, cook a guy from the wing or him, like, driving in from the top of the key into a wall of defenders and Marcus Smart just rips the ball out of his hands. And on the on, the, on another level, I thought Marcus Smart punked him out a little bit.
0: Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I mean, look, anytime you see Joel Embiid one for six from three and, you know, he had 26 points, but it felt like a lot of those were in garbage time. Yeah. Like it, it just it just felt like when you have Al Horford in, in, in foul trouble earlier on and you don't dominate Noah Vonley, it, it's just troubling to me. He looked out of shape and I know he didn't play much preseason, but he just didn't look he didn't look great. And then when you looked at the bench, I know Montres Harrell is Glenn's guy, and I'm I'm not a Glenn guy at all. I, I, I don't I refuse to call him Glenn by the fact that you call him Glenn. Look, we're in Philadelphia, there's only one doc, and his name yeah. is Julius Irvin. So this guy, I'm calling him Glenn, but it's just the fact that, you know, I know Montrose Harold is Glenn's guy, but I just don't, I've never been big on Montrose Harold. I I think he's, he looks good in terms of being able to score the basket, but he's not a good defender. Last night he, he, he was, he was a cone like on both ends of the floor. He didn't do anything. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I've never been more disappointed in a Philadelphia team ever.
1: Damn that that's a little bit more drastic than I thought we were going to arrive at a Wednesday morning after one game, but like maybe, I mean, do you feel like it's almost offset by the glory of the Phillies and like the undefeated, I mean, I know you're not an Eagles fan, but like the way in which like the city seems to be on such a roll that to see a team kind of seem a little disaffected on the first night of the season is kind of bothering you more or what is it?
0: Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. Um, and I think because I had such high expectations, I mean, when you bring in Daniel house, when you bring in DeAnthony Melton, When you bring in Harold, um, I just, I expected this bench to be better. They got nothing
1: from the bench. They got nothing. Yeah.
0: Like, I just, I'm just so shocked. And then MB just didn't perform up to my expectations at all. So I just expected more from this team that kind of revamped themselves. And then obviously, I have my issues with Glenn and the fact that Paul Reed doesn't get any minutes. I'm a big Paul Reed guy. So it's just, like you said, it, you said it to start the podcast. You felt like the Warriors and the Celtics were playing at a different level. I at least thought that they would close that gap and that didn't, they didn't show that to me last night.
1: Right. I, uh, you know, it was, I, I was, I was looking pretty jealously at Malcolm Brogdon last night. Oh my God. And and just the connect, the connective tissue that he provided for that team is honestly scared me because I wasn't really, I knew Brogdon would be good. And obviously Brogdon is really only as good as he is healthy because he's had some real injury issues over the course of his career. But that guy is a guy that I think that the Sixers could really use. You know, like that every play, every pass, every dribble, every decision seems to be the right one. And he can shoot and he can get to the rim and he can make the pass before the pass. And I was just like, God, man, did we did we bet wrong trying to reconstitute the 2019 Rockets here? Like, what are we doing?
0: I, I'm in total agreement. That's the one thing that stood out to me as well. And it's just... Like, I know the Sixth man of the year is typically a war for the guy who gets the most points off the bench. But yeah. I think Michael Braggin is going to be the true six-man of the year based on if he continues to play like he did last night. Because, I mean, he just did every he did everything that you possibly want from a bench player.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was almost like they, they lost Rob and they got, you know, Celtics lost Rob Williams to injury. And then they had Al Horford in, in foul trouble. And I felt like that almost like freed Missoula Joe Missoula up to like throw the kitchen sink at the at the Sixers. But at the end of the day, it wasn't like a tactical masterclass as much as like what you identified in the beginning, which is essentially they just ran all over our asses.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I don't know how you fix that. I, I Well, just, yeah. I think- so
1: what is that? Is that a point guard who controls the pace? Is that is that more Harden? Is that more Maxi? To see if he can get it up the floor faster.
0: Yeah, it, it almost feels like. Our offense is our best defense at this point. Because
1: yeah, and, and like let's get in a shootout then.
0: Yeah, it's like if we're scoring, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot harder for teams to push the pace when you, you have to pick the ball up out of the hoop. You know, so it's just like if our offense is rolling, I think our defense is gonna be better. But on nights when we're not like shooting like God, then yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be tough sledding.
1: So, yeah, you know, I mean, I think we could talk about the defense a little bit, which, um, you know, I read there was a really great uh, Sixers newsletter called The Daily Six by Derek Bodner, And he had identified this in a very cool, like I thought, a very thoughtful way, which was essentially like, can the Sixers like live with their hardened maxi defensive minutes? Like what happens if these are your two two of your three perimeter defenders, basically, and you got to be playing and drop. Uh, and mm-hmm. I just thought the Celtics could get what they wanted. Pretty much yeah. last night, um, you know. I don't think that Harden and Maxi can can face up, and as as seen by the score line, Brown and Tatum scored seventy.
0: Yeah, and then, I mean, look when you look at let's let's the defending champions are the Warriors. Yeah, if they were to play Steph Curry and you have Embiid and drop, and then you have all the movement that the Warriors bring, how can they compete with that? With with a guy like James Harden who tends to get lost defensively, it's just. I'm just, so the question I'm so, is: Is it? Is
1: it? You know, like, and I don't think that like my hair's not in fire. It's one game; we'll be fine. Yeah. Like, I think that we're going to be like a like Sixers are going to be a really good team. I don't know how great they can be, but yeah. do you think it's tactical or is it personnel? Like, basically, is this in Doc's inbox or is it in Daryl's inbox?
0: I think it's a little bit of both. I think I mean some of it is. I mean, you have t- you have a star in James Harden who just he doesn't give a lot of defensive effort. He, that's just never who he's been, and then you have a guy in Joel Embiid who's playing drop and a league where guys take jump shots. Like that's what they do. I mean, guys are taking taking threes. They're taking, and you saw Boston. They got a ton of mid range jump shots last night as well. So yeah. it's a it's a little bit of both. I think the Sixers are going to be okay. I think they're going to be a great a, a great regular season team. What are your expectations for them? Um. I
1: feel like this is a, a season of parody. I think that there's a lot of opportunity out there. I don't necessarily think that this is like nailed on to mm-hmm. be an, a rematch of Celtics uh, Warriors. I know that there's a popular pick out there. It's Bucks Clippers. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, could, I could see the Sixers m- making a run of this. And I think that they just need to tighten some stuff up. I just feel like I've seen the Doc movie a couple of times now. Like I know how it ends. <laughs> Yeah. And every year there's been some sort of excuse for the Sixers, right? Like whether it's been, um, you know, uh, whether it's like usually it has to do with betting in like a bunch of new personnel that we're bringing in because the Sixers have had traditionally a lot of roster turnover and this season's no different. But I just like, I, I did, did you think like Doc had any of the ideas that Joe Missoula had in his first game and Doc is like the like fifth winningest coach of all time or whatever? And like think about the vast difference in experience that those two coaches had last night. But for some reason, I felt like the Celtics were playing with more energy and more innovation.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's exactly how I felt. And it's just like, it's, it's pretty clear that when the Sixers face elite teams, they're going to be out coached. So I feel like this is a team that's going to beat up on a ton of bad teams. But yeah. when, yeah. when they, when they face the, the Celtics, when they face the, and I, am not sure the Bucks are even, I mean, the Bucks are, are, are going to be a, a good team, But, obviously, Middleton's out for a while, and they're still top-heavy. So, I do think, you know, going forward to Thursday, that should be a game in which the Sixers should win. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. But if they're facing a team like the Warriors, or they're facing a team like... Boston. mm, Yeah, like Boston. I just, I think they're going to struggle on on those nights. They were helped
1: by the fact that the two teams that won last night were Boston and Golden State. So, you were basically, like, privy to, oh, this is, like, Basketball on a completely other level, whereas like I think if they had played tonight in a, in a in a lineup of 12 games, the sixers performance might not have stood out like where we're Lakers East, which I do not think we are <laughs> but yeah but like it was basically like you're you really are forced to kind of like put a lot of uh you read a lot into these games when there's when it's the the featured event
0: yeah, you know I, like my former colleague Matt Moore, he actually thinks the Sixers are better than the than the Celtics. And I found his take interesting, but I mean, he had a point in that he said he felt like the Sixers had a lot of advantages they just didn't take advantage of. So a lot of that is probably Glenn.
1: (laughs) We're going to have to see. Um, So for you, what does success this season look like?
0: Success for me is the Eastern Conference Finals. Me too. I mean I, like they like, that that's 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 got to be the bare minimum. You don't yeah. bring James Harden in to go to the second round of the playoffs. And they went to the second round of playoffs against the Raptors, tough series. It was a series in which I personally had the Raptors, but mm-hmm. y- like you got to go to the Eastern Conference Finals minimum. Or this is just you got to kind of you got to really reevaluate this whole thing.
1: Let's do uh let's end on a panic meter. So uh 1 out of 10. How panicked are you about what you saw from Embiid? 10 being the most – 10 being, like, get me out of here.
0: I'm going to say five. I just think he was out of shape coming into the season. I think he'll play – Only 41 win.
1: minutes in the preseason, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What about Maxie? Maxie um, – uh, that's a one. I, I think Maxi will be fine. Okay. What about P.J. Tucker? Mm, I like some of his defense on, on, on Taylor. I'm not really panicking there. I know – you know, our connection said that he felt like P.J. Tucker was washed. I kind of disagree with that. I, I think when you're playing Tate, I mean, Tatum's coming onto his own. He's an MVP candidate at this point. We so also, I, I'm not re-
1: you don't really get P.J. Tucker for like the regular season. You know? Yeah. Um.
0: What about Doc? Oh, I got to go back to P.J. Tucker. I think okay. I'm going to set that at, at a five just because mm. so much of what is going to make him successful is if he could hit open threes because we all know that they're going to crowd and be if PJ Tucker isn't making open threes then I'm not gonna say he's worthless but he hurts that offense he was 0 for 2 from 3 yesterday
1: yeah yeah I, I think that that's probably right what about
0: what about Harden how are you feeling there
1: hard Harden have, looked really have any any panic about a guy who scores 35 points
0: Harden looked really good, but I mean, I have to put that at around a, a three or four, just because the defensive ever has to be there. And you know, like we said earlier, he's got to start taking those catch and shoot threes.
1: Raheem, I think we can wrap it up there. It's only been one game. I don't want to get yeah. too dark, you know. Yeah, I don't. Way. I want
0: to get too dark. I, I, I still think this is this is one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. But Me too. Me too. I think we're. I think
1: that they're on another level from like. Definitely all the, like, upstart, upstart teams, like Atlanta and Cleveland, and I think even, like, I, I, remains to be seen, but I still feel better about Philadelphia than I would about Miami. You know, it's really just, mm-hmm. like, the Boston, and then you have to find out what kind of Brooklyn we're going to get this season. You
0: know, with Brooklyn, I think, I think people are undervaluing Brooklyn. And I think at least in this matchup against the Sixers, that's a really interesting matchup because I don't think Brooklyn can handle the Sixers inside, but I think Brooklyn's going to be able to push the pace in the same mm-hmm. way that the Celtics did last night. So that that would be – I'm actually, that's a game that I'm looking forward to when they finally meet.
1: So Raheem and I are going to do this intermittently over the next couple, you know, probably a few months of the season. We got Phillies going all the time with Shield, and, and Shield and Ben are doing the Eagles stuff twice a week on Philly Special. But I think we'll do some check-ins uh i'm not going to overreact to anything even if we lose to milwaukee i don't think i'll overreact but i do think that i'm going to keep an eye on those fast break baskets and i'm going to keep an eye on like how many nights especially when they lose are the sixers getting run out of the gym and if that's the case like what can be done about that because I i don't really know you know i don't really know you can't make pj tucker faster you can't make tyrese and james like all of a sudden Incredible transition defenders. It's a very difficult skill in the first place. But what's one thing you're going to be keeping your eye on over the next couple of weeks?
0: Um, outside of the transition stuff, I, I just want to see because I expected Tyrese Maxey to be the second, second highest score on this team. I mean, right. there were a lot of there were a lot of bets on him to win most improved player. I personally like Anthony Edwards but you know based on how Maxie played in a preseason I expected him to kind of be in that range and make his first all-star team. So I'm I'm keeping my eye on Maxie but I'm also keeping my eye on if if Tucker can make open three-point shots. I, I need yeah. to see that. Because I mean a lot of a lot of people were frustrated with Danny Green and that's the one thing he wasn't really consistent at. You, you I mean you, we all know the Danny Green experience. He'll have 3 4 5 games where he's two for seven and then he's lights out the next game
1: turns into reggie miller overnight yeah yeah, yeah. so
0: i mean we, we need we need him to be consistently make threes
1: all right man we're gonna be back you know we'll, we'll be back with you intermittently raheem and i are really excited to talk about sixers this year uh make sure you listen to raheem on the ringer gambling show you can find me on the watch and the rewatchables and all all sorts of places thanks so much for listening to philly special we'll be back soon